This is Unleashing Leadership, and I'm your host, Travis Moss, and welcome to episode 41, Don't Be Bob. Sometimes we're not desperate. Sometimes we're not making decisions out of fear. Sometimes we're just letting our inner Bob take over. In the book, Ideal Team Player, Bob is the founder, the owner, the um, central character to the situation from a standpoint of Bob has created this business. Bob with his charisma and his work ethic. And um, Bob is at the point where he can no longer run the business anymore because of his health. And so other people have to start getting involved. And what Bob has been doing over the years, which was great for Bob, no longer maybe is great for the company because um, when Bob's not there to hold it all together, cracks start to show. I think everybody's got an inner Bob. I've definitely had an inner Bob. I Bob is the guy to me that he's got the dream to sell and the charisma to sell it. He's proud of building his dream. And he gets a huge amount of personal pride when people want to join it. He sees the good in people and he always believes in what they could be. And he's inspired. And people around him hate to let him down. And these are his gifts. Bob is a pretty gifted guy. But he's also a pretty cursed guy. Because these gifts, they work when Bob is strong. They work when the business is small and they work when the world revolves around Bob as the central figure. But uh, any of those t- three things, if there's an alteration, any of those, it's kind of like a death spiral. And the book is really about that. The book is really about leaving off at Bob, at the handoff from Bob to the next generation. And the next generation having to. Uh, grapple or get a hold of this monster that, that Bob has created and what needs to be done in order to make a transition. And really the transition is into growth, right? The business has, has done a good job. It's had a good reputation. But because of Bob's ambitions, the desire is for significant growth in a short, a short amount of time. And what Bob has built is no longer adequate to achieve that. So this other generation comes in and they're going to take, you know, try to essentially save the business. And so a lot of this revolves around recruiting because the business is the people and who we're bringing into the business and what promises we're making them and how we're situating them at the table and how we're holding them accountable, how we're developing them. And so I realized that having my own Bob, my own inner Bob, that I have done this in the past. And this is something I started to change about a year and a half ago. I was really good at recruiting, really good at selling my dream to people. But what I wasn't really good is helping people understand if they wanted a piece of that dream, what their commitment really needed to be. And you have to do that because if you don't have a a ground floor, a framework, you know, a rule book for 
the contract, right? The contract of you come here, I'm going to help you get to the next level. I want to help you achieve your financial goals, your career goals, your personal goals. And you're going to do what for the company? That contract. If you don't define that very well, and if you make yourself, you know, the central figure in the story, then as the business grows and other people need to take prominent positions and and, and um, uh, be in situations of influence and, and leadership, it's really hard to hand off because the, all the contracts were Bob and they were all undefined. So I, I can give the contract to somebody else, but there's no way to set the expectations for the transition, right? And and the other person is not necessarily obligated to uh, honor it because of the vagueness in it or because of the way it was um, delivered. So we have to go back to our interview process. We have to think about how we're bringing people into our business in the first place. And I think the book does a really good job of laying out an interview process. And we've actually, not even through intention, I think the latter half of our process is through intention. The early half of our process was just trial and error. And so I want to go through a little bit of that right now. So in the interview process, don't be a Bob. Or better yet, don't let your Bob um, sabotage you. You need to hire with purpose. You need to be deliberate. You need to be hiring as the organization, not as the individual. The, the agreement is between the organization and the recruit. Bob can be used to get somebody excited. But we got to put Bob back up on the shelf when it's time because we don't just want excited. We want excited. We want informed. We want committed. Interview rules and responsibilities. We do a lot of group interviewing. And we're going to talk about how we structure ours in a minute, but this is just pulling from the book. We do a lot of group interviewing. And one of the mistakes we made early on when we were group interviewing is people participating in a group interview didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. So we have different people come to the table to, to interview a candidate, and they kind of get lost in the weeds and forget that it's about interviewing a candidate, and they forget about what they're trying to actually do with the candidate. Because we never really define to the internal team members, hey, we're going to bring you in. This is what we want you looking for. This is your job in the interview. We just said you're going to be on the interview with us. Come up with some questions to ask. So there needs to be very defined roles and uh, responsibilities within an interview process. Regular interviews will fail because people understand what to say. And interviewers don't know how to dig in. So you, now you got somebody, you're interviewing them. And I think it's people are pretty good at interviewing now. You can go online. You can watch YouTube videos. They teach you in college and stuff how to sell yourself, basically. This is what I'm worth, you know. Hi, and this is what people want to hear. You have a lot of buzzwords and a lot of fluff in, in the way people talk, a lot of vagueness. People are smart enough to go on and look at the website and they say, you know, I looked at the website, whatever, where they get a buzzword. They even pronounce the buzzwords right. I've had that happen. You know, we, we pride ourselves as a company as being a fiduciary. People come in and they mispronounce the word fiduciary. So how much can you be bought into that concept if you don't know how to say it correctly? Um. But, you know, 
people will talk and you, the interviewer is supposed to let them talk, but then, um, the interviewer asks a question like, you know, what do you think about being on a team? And like, for instance, I had an employee one time who I interviewed and he said, um, I want to be, you know, I'm very competitive. And I asked him what situation you like explain to me how you're very competitive. And he explains a situation that doesn't sound very competitive to me. So I need to ask him, well, what do you think competitive is then? You know, why didn't you, if you were super competitive, why didn't you do X, Y, Z? And you, you have to be, um, strong enough to put people on the defensive, to put people on, you know, counter people. It's kind of like parrying, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're pressuring them. You're going to take a couple steps in close. And the reason why you're doing that is you're seeing how they react. You're seeing if the story is true. You're seeing if they get, if you get through the fluff. I had a wholesaler one time. He came to our firm. This is way back when he came to the firm and he was trying to get us to sell mutual funds to clients. And he was selling bond funds. And according to him, it was always the right time for the bond funds. So my perspective on it was that he was giving us a spiel that somebody had taught me it's a very good order so i would try to get him off a spiel man did he hate me for that i would just ask him a question and if it had nothing to do with his spiel he couldn't answer it he would just glare at me well you need to understand is, is somebody giving you their spiel or somebody being you know are you getting somebody else's bob or are you getting the real person You need to brief after every interview, after each meeting, be prepared, be planned out, be deliberate so that people um, know what to focus on. So you do an interview and, and somebody else is going to do a second interview. Do you talk? Do you talk before or after the interview? Or you do a multiple person interview. You get done with the interview. Do you sit down and talk to each other and say, what did you see? What did you hear? How did this work out? <clears throat> All right. So here's how the structuring works. What we do is a meet and greet. This is an informal interview. It is not really an interview. So it's not suit and tie. It's not, you're not looking for them to be perfect. In fact, you tell them this is not an interview. This is just, listen, I want to get together for you. Um, I want to find out if I like you. I want you to find out if you like me. I want you to, I want to see if you like what we're doing as a company. Basically, I want to find out with somebody I'd be willing to invite for dinner get to know more, right? And I tell them that I, I tell right off the bat. It's so disarming. People are like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, no, I can do that. Because if it's an interview, it comes with a certain uh, level of formality. If it's a meet and greet, there's no formality. It's just, let me talk to you as a person. I ain't making no decisions today, but let me talk to you as a person. Then that goes to what we call a round robin interview. And this is where you're trying to figure out, would they be a good fit for the job? Because in the meet and greet, you've already kind of figured out some of the framework, right? You're, you're starting to figure out, okay, this person's along the right lines with hunger, humble, or hungry, humble, humble and smart. You might have to vet it out a little bit more. You probably will. You should have to. Sometimes you get, you're blown away. And you still need to check that because you need to make sure that you weren't just, that there was something about that person that you liked more so, and therefore you weren't paying it as much attention. So even when you're blown away and you're like, this person's perfect, you still need to vet that. So round robin interview, you got 
in our case, we normally have like three different people and they take turns. One person comes in for half an hour, another person comes in for half an hour, and then another person comes in for half an hour. And they're going for different things. They're trying, they're, they're all coordinated and they're trying to get different information out of, out of the person. They're trying to figure out, does this, is this person really a good fit for the job though? You know, we think maybe they're a good fit for the company, but what about the job? Would they be a good fit on the job? And, or is there a different job? Maybe they'd be a good fit. But they're really trying to get at also, not just a good fit, but any questions that came up with that hung, hung, humble, hungry, and smart framework. <laughs> trying to fill in the blanks. And then if they pass that, they go to a workshop. And what the workshop is, you come back and with a group of employees, about three employees or so, you actually work through a problem together. And it's a, it's a couple hour actual activity. And you work through a problem together. And what you're trying to do, and this is, again, we got this very wrong in the beginning. People got caught up in the fact that it was a workshop and they're trying to solve a problem. So they got focused on the results of the problem. The results of the problem are not a matter. It's how does the person participate with coming up with the results of the problem? And when you push back on them, when you critique an idea, when you challenge them, when you stress them, what do they do? So every person in that interview process has kind of a job. They're supposed to be like antagonists. They're supposed to be, you know, like there's there's something that they're supposed to do to provoke um, reaction and to assess the reaction within that. And so, again, you're, you're trying to answer all the questions that haven't been answered since that round robin. And this is really the, does everything match up? Everything we've been told about the person, does it really match up? And any areas that we thought that we needed to push a little bit more, we tried to push. And so you're really taking your, your final assessment. And this is the part that I'm adding just now is you, you, it's a simple, simple tool, but it is so powerful because it's ha sometimes hard for people, especially when they're new to the framework, to remember and really get into the framework. They just really like the person or they said this, but, you know, it's okay they said that because, you know, they also said this. Sometimes 10 little things really are combined for the whole. So if you have, you know, four or five issues, like little issues, like they just mentioned this or they just mentioned that. And four people in this process came up, you know, mentioned a little issue and they all happened to do with the same thing. All of a sudden, you know, you've got a bigger issue. So for instance, you do a three column chart, hungry, humble, and smart across the top in each column, you know, so that you got three columns. One is hungry, one is humble, one is smart. And then everything, every takeaway that you have, every impression that you have from this uh, candidate goes into that framework. So you, you, if, if he does something that exemplifies being hungry, you put that on there. If he says something that makes you concerned about whether or not he's hungry, you put that on there. And every person on the team does that. They put their stuff, they fill in that chart. When you're all done... With the three steps here, you step back and you look at that and look for the trends. It's going to tell you what you need to know. Like I said, it's easy in a one-on-one -on -one to say, you know what? We interviewed him. You had questions about his humbleness because he said this. I didn't take it that way. I took it this because he said this thing over here. Well, two other people had little instances where they also had questions. Now you got a three-to-one situation. You got three people that came away with little instances of concern. And one person who's trying to justify it away because, you know, there was one instance of, um, you know, 
the opposite. Well, you have to go with the framework there, right? You have to go. That's kind of like an artificial gut. It's telling you there's something more here. We need we need to look deeper into this. Doesn't mean that the candidate's dead in the water, but it means that that chances are you're right about the fact that there's a problem there. Where there is with people, what I have learned is where there is smoke, there is fire. And you can ignore the smoke for so long before the bonfire just explodes. If somebody is really deficient in one area or near or below average in two areas, you have to pass on them. And you have to do it no matter what your inner bot says.